We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Hood, 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 hood! This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. It's officially week one as the 2021 Chicago Bears season gets underway Sunday night in primetime against Los Angeles Rams. We're going to preview that game and give our thoughts on the Bears going into that matchup on this podcast. Before we get into all that, though, let me bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, man, we finally made it. It is week one and the countdown to game day is on. It really, it's crazy. It, it's it, maybe it's just because I had a really busy week last week, and you know the holiday kind of threw things off. But it, t- in some ways, it doesn't feel like week one. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's. Uh, I'm 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 definitely glad, and it was nice having college football back on this past weekend. And you know, thank God for that. Even though Oklahoma almost lost to uh, Tulane there, and that was not exactly thrilling. But hey, we are what two because we're recording this on Tuesday. We're two days away from the the season kickoff, and then obviously. Got to wait all day Sunday and get to Sunday night, and then the Bears and Rams are playing, and they'll finally have a crowd um, at, I think it's SoFi Stadium, right? Is that what they're calling the? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be – it'll be interesting. I think – and this is kind of something I noted in my what to watch for is while it is the first, you know, game, regular season game that the Rams will have fans at the new stadium, Bears fans have always – you know, Bears fans travel really well in general, but Bears fans travel really well – especially in Southern California. So I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's going to be a takeover by Bears fans by any, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but I also, I don't think it's going to be the normal home field advantage that you would see for a lot of, uh, a lot of home teams going against the Bears, uh, you know, this, this Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, at least your college team didn't lose and was the number 10 ranked team. Uh, North Carolina lost on Friday night to Virginia Tech. It was very disappointing. Um, but it's kind of nice because now it's like, well, they got the disappointment out now rather than like week 11 and 12 when they could have been like the number seven or six team in the playoff. And then they just lose to, you know, NC State or Georgia Tech or whoever. whoever. So at least that good for me. But all, yeah, it was fun watching college football, man. Like it was back. And I think, you know, something that we could kind of take away from that weekend is – the atmosphere inside of stadiums was insane. I mean, 
right off the bat, like that Minnesota Ohio State game on Thursday night, even though there was the delay, the fans were, you know, showed up there. Um, Virginia Tech, North Carolina on Friday night with the entrance Sandman entrance, and then all day Saturday. Um, and going into a great game Sunday night with Notre Dame and Florida State, and then also um, Monday night with Ole Miss and, and Louisville. The, the atmosphere was awesome. The fans were finally back, and I think that's going to be something to watch this whole weekend, You know, because while a lot of teams did have capacity last year, it was very limited, and this year we're at 100% capacity, and for a team like the Rams and Chargers who are opening up their new stadiums and also a game I'm looking forward to on Monday night, the uh, Raiders opening up their brand new um, historic stadium out there in Las Vegas. It's going to be cool to kind of see the fans back and how that, you know, impacts um, home field advantage once again this year. Well, and there's a lot of theories, you know, I, I think green Bay is still going to be a really good team this, you know, this year, but there are a lot of theories last year that green Bay was actually the team with Aaron Rodgers that benefited the most from not having fans in the stadium one way or another. And it's going to be very interesting to see, because again, I mean, last year was, was kind of a unicorn. I mean, even when there were fans in the stands for some of these games, there weren't a lot. So, you know, you get that, that home field advantage and just the overall crowd noise back as a whole. And I think it's going to make it harder on certain quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and some of these other quarterbacks who are very communic- communicative at the line of scrimmage to where, you know, again, I, I think that there's going to be some interesting effects to see how that all goes. And then obviously, you know, which it's going to be interesting. I, one, I'm just really glad. It's funny because I've gone back and watched some of the games from last year and, it's just like in the moment, it didn't really feel that weird in terms of like, you know, it felt weird for a little bit, but after a while you kind of got used to it, especially if you watch, you know, if you watch baseball or the NBA, like it just kind of got to a point where you're like, okay, there's no fans, but they kind of piped in some noise on the broadcast and it really wasn't, you know, it, it just was what it was. But then it's like, you watch some of these preseason games, you watch baseball all year, and then you go back and you rewatch some of the, the games from last year, the NFL games. And it's like, it was very, very, very different. So I think from a, energy standpoint as a whole because i'm still of the belief and i don't know if you're the same way i'm still of the belief that yeah while it's really cool going to going to live sporting events i do think that the overall viewing experience as a whole is just better on tv i just i I think especially with football because there's just so much going on it's such a big field you know it's just one of those things where you can't really sit i guess unless you're at the 50 yard line i mean you really can't sit centrally there and then even that it's just the viewing experience is different. So I think having the fans back, having real crowd noise, having the feel of what football is actually supposed to be like. I mean, we saw it this last weekend with college football. I think it's just, I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to just the overall, you know, the football experience. I mean, this is the, the, at least in my opinion, this is the best time of year where you got basically football on, you know, four or five days out of the week. And there's always something to watch. And then obviously baseball playoffs will be starting before too long. And then the NBA and NHL, which never seemed like they stop, will be starting again. Like this is just a really good time of year. Yeah. And, you know, kind of your point about the home field advantage and the crowds back, there was a good podcast. I believe it was Kirk Herbstreit was on the part of my take podcast a couple weeks ago. And he was like talking about an experience he had last year where he'd cover a couple of big college games and they did, I, I want to say they did a Monday nighter. maybe it was week one, the, the dual Monday night game that he broadcasted. And he said, it's just totally different being there with no fans and they're pumping in the crowd noise and all that stuff compared to actually being in a stadium. And, and he was talking a little bit more on college, but he did mention, you know, the NFL, there's a big difference as well. So I'll be curious to see that. Um, 
and how it goes. And, and yeah, it's kind of your point about the whole Packers thing. I don't know if you saw this and this is kind of a quick note before we get into anything. So that game has obviously been moved because of um, the hurricane last week. So they can't play in new Orleans. I read something that the, the saints had like their option of three to four different places on where they could play this game. Cause they're going to be the home team. And they chose Jacksonville for a number of reasons. And the two that stood out the most were, it's tougher to travel to Jacksonville with the flight situation in Green Bay um, than it would be to, I, I think it was Houston or um, maybe Tampa Bay, one of those cities. I think Atlanta was on, on the list as well. Um, it's tougher to get there with the flights. And also, um, I want to say Aaron Rodgers is like three and four in the state of Florida in his career. So the Saints definitely did their homework uh, trying to use that to their advantage and rightfully so. Now, and not to oh, mention, well, I was just going to say not to mention, and I, I'm sure Bears fans remember this from 2018 when they traveled to play Miami still early in the season. Heat. The heat is a big factor in Florida this time of year, man. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be flat out miserable trying to play football over there, especially outdoors. So, yeah, I'm sure that's another because I, I would guess and I could be wrong, but I would guess that the saints have probably been been able to get over there and acclimate a little bit. Cause I, do you remember that game, right? The, the, yeah. the oh. Miami game and like the, the Miami, the, the dolphins had their sideline where they had shade and they had yeah. guys on the bear sidelines holding up basically anything they, they could get their hands on. And it was a huge factor in the second half, especially on the defensive side of the ball. In, I think it was, I think I've seen a couple of different times um, where you've seen teams go to Miami. I think New England a couple of years ago. I think that that Rob Gronkowski play where the the Dolphins had the Hail Mary, the, like the trick, like lateral play, and Gronkowski was back there and he was just wiped. I think there was another game where the, the sun was really, really bad. I could be wrong, but I remember reading a lot about like how Miami has an advantage for teams in Florida so used to playing down there because, man, that, that heat is no joke. Um, but, yeah, you know, moving forward into – the bear stuff, we, we should probably talk about um, exactly what happened today. And it was a move that essentially, you know, you wrote on this the other day, there's been four moves in the off season in 2020 that have hampered the bears. And today on Tuesday to kind of get his cap situated and get back, you know, in the good graces of the cap, Ryan Pace converted um, $5.8 million of Jimmy Graham's salary into a signing bonus. And what that did was it essentially moved money down the line to get them under the cap and right to go in the regular season. But it carried over $4.6 million in cap space next year, um, essentially in dead cap. And if the Bears are going to have some tough decisions next year, because they got to get out of Nick Foles' contract, they probably have to get out of Robert Quinn's contract. They're probably going to move on from Dane Trevathan. And if they move Quinn and Foles, move on from them next year, added in with what are already they have in dead cap, they're looking at $40 million in dead cap if they make those moves. And, you know, you and I have talked about it with some other people. The Bears feel like they can win right now, and they have a team that's that could contend for a Super Bowl in their eyes. I don't necessarily agree. I don't think they're going to be very good this year, but they're also making moves that are going to hamper them in 2022, 2023, when you're going to be in year two and three of Justin Fields' rookie contract. And Aaron, you know it as well. There's nothing more valuable in the NFL than having a really good quarterback on a rookie contract. Well, and you know, I, I and I've seen the last few days, it seems like, 
you, you basically have two groups of the fan base on, you know, on Twitter right now with the bears and you have the one that, you know, they want to be eternally optimistic. It's week one. You know, they want to believe that this is going to be a really good team. Who knows? Maybe it will be. I mean, obviously there's a reason that they play the games. I'm not here to say that the bears are guaranteed going to be a bad team or they're guaranteed, you know, going to be under 500 or not make the playoffs, whatever it may be. My personal assessment of this team is it's not very good. It has a lot of holes. It lacks a lot, you know, lacks a lot of depth in key areas and it has some, some serious question marks in key areas like the offensive line and cornerback. But again, like I've said before, the big caveat being is that you don't have to feel good about the 2021 Bears to feel good about their future with, with Justin Fields and everything else that's going on. But to your point, when Ryan Pace continually makes the kind of cap-clearing moves that he has made over the last few years, they eventually toll. And this is the situation I think a lot of fans are – they, they look at generalized numbers. You know, there was this thing put out the other day that was basically saying, well, the Bears are, you know, projected to have, uh, I think it was like $43 million in cap space next year, and they're projected to be top 15. And that looks good on the surface, okay? But at the same time, when you start going through and you start looking at the free agents that they're going to have next year, they're going to have Allen Robinson's is going to be a free agent. They have Akeem Hicks that's going to be a free agent. Bilal Nichols that's going to be a free agent. You know, the, the list goes on. James Daniels, you know, there's a lot of different guys that they have that are going to be free agents, not to mention you have guys like Robert Quinn who, unless he comes out and has a 10 or 12 sack year, I don't know how you can justify paying him again next year. You know, it's just one of those situations. And you have to start looking around the roster and looking at some of these other spots. They have one receiver right now that is under contract past this year. And that's Darnell Mooney. So again, I, you know, I want to be optimistic for the future. I still am optimistic for the future because the reality of it is if Justin Fields is a quarterback that we think he's going to be, the bears are going to be in a really good spot. With that being said, we saw how a lack of cap space, you know, lack of cap fluidity, a lack of talent around a really good quarterback in Houston with a Sean Watson. And we saw how quickly that can fall apart. So it's one of those things where I've seen a lot of people saying, well, people are just living to be negative right now. And there's too many writers and there's too many fans that are just living to be, it's, it has nothing to do with being negative. It has everything to do with looking and saying, okay, like you just pointed out, the bears have a quarterback on a rookie deal. And obviously at this point in time, all we can do is expect that Justin Fields is going to work out and he's going to be a top five to 10 quarterback. I mean, that's the expectations. That's what we're all hoping. That's what a lot of people are hoping for and expecting. So under that assumption, thinking that Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback that he's going to be, you start looking at that cap space from, you know, for next year and the 43 million all of a sudden goes down to about 38 million because while they added four void years on the Jimmy Graham's deal, again, that $4.67 million or whatever it was that they just saved tolls the next year. The void years are simply to be able to break out the remaining base salary that he has into five years instead of the, you know, basically the one year that he had, which would have done nothing for them. But again, that, that entire, you basically add all those years together. It's the same thing with Andy Dalton. It's the same thing with some of these other guys where you add all that together and that's what you get. And it's the same thing with how they cut, uh, you know, when they cut Charles Zeno Jr. and they made it a June 1st cut. Well, yes, it gave them more money this year. Some of that dead money is going to toll in the next year. So you start looking at some of these teams and you start looking at over the last 10 years in terms of history, of teams having over you know $40 million or over of dead cap space. 
And there hasn't been one team that has been a winning team during that time. And again, that signals different things that usually signals a change in terms of, you know, you're either rebuilding or you're doing whatever. I mean, we've, we've seen it with the Lions this year in terms of how many guys that they've cut and how much money they basically had to eat just to kind of tear down their roster and start, you know, a rebuild. And again, I don't think that's going to happen with the Bears. But again, it's it, it's a situation where cap space isn't you know the, the you know the, the NFL cap isn't some fairy tale that everybody thinks it is again at some point in time you have to pay the toll for kicking the can down the road and that's something that the bears have done over the last few years and last year alone as you know as I wrote and as we're talking about right now was so detrimental to this team because again Yes, you can cut Nick Foles next year. Yes, you can cut Robert Quinn. But the problem is, is if you cut those guys, you're still going to incur over $10 million worth of dead space, and you're not going to get a ton of savings back. I mean, it's just kind of where it's at. So it's, you know, and, and Brad Biggs mentioned it earlier, and I, I really hope that they don't have to do it. And I think it's telling that they haven't done it so far. But the last real contract that the Bears can do this with and make sense would be if they need to clear more cap space, it would be with Robert Quinn. And I know a lot of people are looking at, well, they had $5 million worth of cap space before all their cuts. But the problem is, is they had to put so many guys on IR and, you know, you don't plan on having Tariq Cohen, Danny Trevathan and Tevin Jenkins uh, start the year on IR pup, because I mean, those guys count against your cap. And the same thing with a guy like Mario Edwards jr, where he's suspended for the first two games. So yeah, you can take, you can basically take his, his base salary, divide that by 17 and then figure out how much they would save from that. But the problem is, is because he's suspended and he doesn't count towards the roster and those other guys don't count towards the roster. Anybody on the 53-man roster that happens after week one, if you're on the roster week one and you get through week one, all of those contracts are guaranteed, which means not only are the Bears guaranteeing 53 contracts, they're also guaranteeing basically three guys on the PUP slash IR. And then you're also guaranteeing, uh, you know, a guy, Mario Edwards Jr., uh, you know, 15 of the 17 games. So the issue with that is, is that there's these little things that toll you're paying for, you know, you're paying for a practice squad. You're also having to carry X amount of money into the season with you because you don't know how the IR situation is going to go. Because if you place a guy on IR, then all of a sudden you've got to replace that guy. Even if it's, you know, seven games in the season, you're still paying him for the remaining 10 games. So the bears had to have flexibility. A lot of teams have had to do this. And again, it was a needed move but it kind of goes back to looking at it, and I understand that they think they're going to compete or whatever it may be, but it seems asinine to me that instead of cutting Jimmy Graham like they should have done a while ago, you have Cole Komet, who you just spent a second-round pick on last year. You have a guy in Jesse James. You have a guy in Jesper Horsehead. You're carrying five tight ends on your current roster right now. And instead of cutting Jimmy Graham and saving the $7 million, they decide to you know essentially borrow almost $5 million for next year to dump it in this year to keep a guy that basically only catches touchdowns and is a shell of himself. And they have decent depth at the tight end position. So again, it's not being negative. It's just the reality of the situation and how Ryan Pace is choosing to handle the cap situation. And again, this is a concern for a lot of people with Ryan Pace coming from new Orleans was Mickey Loomis. Mickey Loomis has been doing this for years and he's been doing a better job of it than you know, I think anybody would have expected. But again, at the same time, at some point in time, contracts toll, you end up having to pay the piper for kicking the can down the road. And the Bears doing this at the very beginning of Justin Fields' rookie deal 
is very hampering because really what you're doing is you're saying, okay, we're going to be able to improve our roster a little bit next year. You, you still don't have a first round pick next year, obviously with the whole Justin Fields trade. And that's fine. I have no issue with that. But if you don't have the draft picks and you don't have the money, it's really hard to do what the bears did from 2017 to 2018 in terms of going from, you know, a five or six win team to a 12 win team. It just, it's, it's a very hard thing to do. And the bears are making it even harder on themselves for 2022 and a little bit in 2023 because of how they're handling the cap right now and the kind of situations they put themselves in over the last two years of getting, giving veterans money that really they overpaid on the market for. So it's just, a, it's very frustrating. It's not meant to be negative, but that's just the reality of the situation. The more moves they make like this, the more that they hurt themselves next year and in 2023. That's just the reality. Well, and that's the thing is they're, they're think they can win now realistically. And I don't agree with that. I, I, I think you probably don't agree with that either. I don't think they're going to be very good. And, and you know what? They have the right to believe that they can win this year right away and that they have a Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, we have the right to disagree with that, but you're right, man, making these contracts and, you know, moving money down the line is going to backfire and it's eventually you're going to have to pay them. But the bears are kind of setting up where, you know, they're going to have to fill out the roster because they have several key free agents next year. And, you know, people see that big cap space number and they look, okay, you have all this cap, but you have to fill those holes. And if you, you know, extend Allen Robinson, which I don't think is going to happen, he's going to cost a big chunk of that as well. So, yeah, you know, I think, I think they're kind of in trouble with the cap going into these next couple of years. Um, you know, they just need to get to a point where they pretty much have to just, you know, bite the bullet and pay all this money and then hope that Justin Fields is what he is and they can surround him with talent. Because as you said, people have done this in the past and, and people use this way um, to kind of manipulate the cap a little bit and make it seem like everything's good right now. But when you look at those, I mean, you look at the New Orleans Saints. They had uh, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. They've had Michael Thomas. They've had really good teams that have got the NFC Championship. Right now, like the Bears roster, there's, there's, for my eyes, there's just too many holes for them to be considered a legit threat within, you know, this year or potentially even next year. So, yeah, we'll just see how this kind of plays out and what they're going to do with Robert Quinn's contract and Nick Foles' contract because those are the two you have to get out of and find a way to get out of, but it's, it's going to cost you a pretty penny in cap space. Now, let's move into our preview for this game. Um, the Bears are in prime time, Aaron. It's Sunday night, NBC. As you said, the Rams are opening up their new stadium. Um, and Chicago's rolling with Andy Dalton as the starting quarterback. The Rams have Matthew Stafford after acquiring him from the Detroit Lions. And the Bears defense has seen Matthew Stafford, you know, over the years, plenty of times. They've actually done pretty well against him for the most part of the, you know, throughout his career. Um, and there are some familiar faces on this defense that have faced him so far. I look at this Rams team and I think they have the potential of being you know, a contender in the NFC and potentially a top five team in the NFL. We know what they could do defensively. It's the offense for me that, that, that might struggle and hold them back. And I think if the bears are going to win this game, they almost have to flat out dominate on defense because let's be real. I don't think you're expecting it. I'm not expecting it. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to come out here and throw for 300 and yards and two or three touchdowns and not turn it over. I think it's going to be more of a game manager type role for him. And then just hope that the defense can kind of, you know, um, take over in a way and shut down the Rams offense. Well, I mean, this is the fourth time in as many years that the bears and Rams have played and, 
you know, the Bears took obviously that matchup in 2018 and then they've lost the last two. It's going to be very interesting because, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I must be higher on the Rams than most people because um, I think the Rams have the potential um, to be the best team, not only in the NFC West, that's really stacked. I mean, you could literally make an argument for any of those teams to win the division in that, you know, in, in the NFC West. Um, but also I think they have the potential to be one of, if not the best team in the entire NFC. I mean, they, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they looked at the Rams over the last few years, it was always, well, the Rams are really good, but they got Jared Goff. You know, if the Rams had a real quarterback, they'd be really good, but they have Jared Goff. And now obviously Jared Goff is in Detroit and Detroit's rebuilding. And, you know, now, now we get to see what Matthew Stafford looks like with the Rams and, you know, just really an overall better team. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at the Rams, I mean, especially defensively, I mean, they lose their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, who took, you know, the, the Chargers job, uh, the head coaching job there, uh, you know, and they've lost some talent on the defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be very interesting because, you know, on paper, I think the Rams are one of the better teams in the NFC. On paper, I don't think this is a very good matchup for the Bears. But at the same time, I think a lot of people have to kind of keep in mind that week one is always a toss up, especially when you talk about those primetime games, man, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, even looking back to 2019, when, you know, the Bears and uh, the Packers played and ended up being what was it like a 10-3 game and, uh, you know, and last year, we, I mean, last the, year I thought the bears were going to blow out the lions. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. So it's like, you, you, you look at that all the time and it's like, you, you know, it's, you just never know. Right. And it's kind of the same thing. Like you just, you can look across week one, every, every week over the last 10 or 15 years and you just, everything's always unpredictable. So what I would say is I think the Rams are quite a bit of a better team than the bears. And I don't think it's a great matchup for them, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of changes, you know, on the side of the Rams. And then at the same time, again, with it being week one, you just never know what's going to happen. What I will say is I think in order for the bears to have a successful season, and this may be stating the obvious, but I think they have to get off to a strong start. I think two and two is absolute bare minimum for them over the first four games. Or if they could somehow pull out, you know, a three and one start, I think that they can kind of keep things afloat and see what happens from there. But it's going to be – I wouldn't say it's a big game because you can never say week one's a big game by any means. But I do think if they can find a way to pull out a win, I think that could kind of help set the tone for a season in which, you know, they can kind of hang around and maybe be challenged for one of those last wild card spots. But, again, you know, it's it's going to be a tough matchup. And it's, you know, again, the, the Rams are also a team that are playing in front of, you know, home field fans for the first time in their new stadium. So I'm sure there's going to be a level of energy for that as well. Yeah, and you know, the Rams defense is obviously something we need to focus on because they have Aaron Donald. Um, they have Leonard Floyd, who had a big year last year, his first not with the Bears franchise. Um, obviously, we know about their secondary led by Jalen Ramsey. And it's going to be a big challenge for the Bears, no matter who is at quarterback. Um, obviously, they're rolling with Andy Dalton. And like I said, I, I don't expect a lot from Andy Dalton. I think the best game plan the Bears could have is get David Montgomery going and kind of asked Andy Dalton to just not screw things up. He doesn't necessarily, if your defense is playing well, he doesn't necessarily have to go out and throw for 300 yards and, and two or three touchdowns. Um, I would think it's more important that he doesn't screw things up and turn the ball over. If the Bears are turning the ball over on offense, this is going to be a, a, a quick night for them. And going back to last season's matchup, I, I can't remember how many turnovers the Bears had on offense, but I remember them struggling right from the start. They couldn't move the football at all. Um, 
Their best drive, I think, came late in the game. Um, Eddie Jackson kind of rejuvenated them with a, uh, what was it? I think he had like an interception or a fumble recovery for a touchdown, if I remember correctly. That game was just such a blur because the Bears were just in t- total, um, you know, downward spiral under Nick Foles. And, you know, they did take some shots against that secondary. It just didn't work out. I mean, Darnell Mooney had Jalen Ramsey beat on that one play. Foles had to rush the throw because he was, you know, had pressure in his face. But, the Rams defense is really going to present a tough challenge for this team. And looking in the trenches, I think you got to, you know, when you look at the Bears O and the Lions or the, I'm sorry, the Rams D, you have to give the advantage to the Rams D in the trenches. And then flipping over to the other side, you know, I'd probably give the slight advantage to the Bears D against the Rams O. But I think the advantage that the Rams defense has over the Bears offense in terms of the trenches is just so much more impactful than the other way around. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's really... You know, a big key for this game for the Bears is going to be winning in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Rams have a good offensive line. They have, you know, obviously a good front seven as well on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the Bears, I think from a defensive standpoint, I mean, if there's one thing that you could say is really a strong suit for the Bears, at least on paper, moving into the season defensively, it's their front seven, you know, so that'll be a good matchup. But again, I think the big question mark for the bears is going to be that offensive line you know one can jason peters play a full game without needing to sub out for a little bit and have a rookie and larry borum who's never really played that much left tackle you know in his football career um you know making his nfl debut uh you know and then obviously jermaine fetty is as well you know it's kind of one of those things with him is is he actually ready to go so it's going to be and i think but again i think that kind of goes back to the onus is going to be on matt Nagy to you know, obviously you got to commit to the run, you know, and, and that's something that we've seen be very questionable at best with him in the past, but also, you know, they've got to commit almost kind of, you know, and again, I know it's preseason, but kind of like what they did with Nick Foles in those first few drives uh, of the week three preseason game where they were getting the ball out of his hands quick, you know, run these slants, run these little screens, run whatever you need to do, get the, you know, get the ball out of Andy Dalton's hand quick and, you know, get the chains moving, get the ball moving and see if you can consistently get the running game together and, you know, kind of go from there. And obviously there's a lot of unknown. And this is something I wrote about within, you know, the, the, the what to watch for this week. There's a lot of unknown with this Bears offense right now, both positively and negatively, because, yes, we saw the quote unquote starters out there for, you know, for times in the preseason. 
but they also, you know, Allen Robinson didn't play. Uh, Darnell Mooney either barely played or didn't play at all. We didn't see Marquise Goodwin at all. We barely saw Demir Bird. You know, obviously, I don't think Brashad Perryman's going to really factor in much uh, with the game plan over the next few weeks as he learns the offense. But there's a level of speed and an unknown with the Bears' offense that we don't know yet, and obviously that should excite fans a little bit. I just I think that the Bears are going to have to be damn near perfect on the offensive side of the ball in order to move the ball and consistently score points. And again, I mean, it, that's not to say the Rams are, they're missing, you know, some key components of that defense. Obviously you still have Aaron Donald and you know, that's really all that you need. And Leonard Floyd's been really good. And they got Jalen Ramsey as well, but they're going to have to pick their spots and they're going to have to be very, very, um, you know, precise with what they do offensively just because you have to have the ball moving. And again, I, I don't know. I'm, the defensive side of the ball is where I'm a little bit more concerned about. I'm, I'm curious, especially with the secondary, you know, how that's all going to play out because if the bears can't win the battle of the trenches, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're putting a lot of pressure on a defense and especially, you know, the corners where Jalen Johnson's really the only guy that you could consider somewhat proven at this point. I mean, Kendall Vildor is still a very much unknown Marquis Christian or um, Duke Shelley. I mean, the same thing in the nickel. I mean, there's a lot of questions there where the Bears are going to have to, you know, kind of rely on that front seven uh, to be able to get to the quarterback. And we've seen Matt Stafford. I mean, Matt Stafford is a really good quarterback, but he can also, the Bears know how to play him. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. Like I said, there's just a lot of unknowns because of the the vast changes that have gone on for not only the Bears, but the Rams as well. We haven't seen Sean McVay's offense run with a good quarterback before like Matt Stafford. So there's probably going to be a level of, you know, unknown with that as well. So I, I think for those reasons, it's going to be an interesting game to watch for sure, regardless of, you know, how it all pans out. Yeah, and you make you bring up a good point because Sean McVay got to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and let's be real, Jared Goff's not a very good quarterback. Matthew Stafford, a little better than Jared Goff. I think he will certainly help that offense. Um, you know, they have Sonny Michelle and Darrell Henderson at running back, and they have a couple weapons, um, you know, at wide receiver, Cooper Cup headlining that list as well. It's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, like you said, it's week one. Teams could come out rusty. Um, I do expect this to be a low-scoring game. I think the Bears' defense is going to have to take things in their own hands and kind of slow down uh, Matthew Stafford and this offense. And I think the Rams' defense will kind of do the same. And it'll kind of be a little bit of a you know feeling out process in my eyes for at least the first quarter or so um, in terms of their both teams trying to get their offense going and what they have. I'd be very shocked if it was a high-scoring first quarter. Um and now, you know, now that I said that, it's probably going to be a, high, a very high-scoring first quarter. But let me ask you this. Before we get into, like, our, our uh, prediction and our key to the game X factor, do you think there is any chance and what percentage would you, what percentage would you put it that Justin Fields takes over as a starting quarterback in week one? I Man, I, I don't think there's any chance. I, I, I think, you know, and I know a lot of fans have kind of, you know, locked onto this idea that Matt Nagy is going to magically have this package where Justin Fields is going to be featured like, you know, the rumors of Trey Lance being featured in San Francisco. I'm not even really buying that. I, I know that he kind of left the door open. I know Sean McVay said that they'd be stupid not, not to prepare for it, but I don't know, man. I, I I think, you know, we may see a play or two, but even that, I, I just, I don't think so. I mean, really the only way, in my opinion, that, that uh, you know, that Andy Dalton loses his job in week one is going to be if he gets hurt. And not to say that that's not a possibility. I mean, especially if, if the Bears offensive line isn't, isn't holding up their end of the bargain, 
then, you know, Andy Dalton's not, I mean, he's not immobile like Nick Foles, but he's also not mobile like Justin Fields or Mitchell Trubisky or any of the other quarterbacks who can, you know, get outside the pocket and actually make something happen. So I, man, honestly, I would say barring injury, like if we're just talking about, you know, Andy Dalton, have a really bad, let's just say a really bad first half, kind of like what happened in 2017 with, uh, with the Texans when Tom Savage was quarterback and then, you know, Deshaun Watson took over after, you know, Savage got sacked like six times. I think they were down like 40 some odd points and in going into the second half. But again, I, I just, I would say that there's a 0% chance of Andy Dalton being benched. I think the only way that he's not out there for the second half or any of the game as a whole is going to be if he gets hurt. Yeah, I'm kind of with you in the whole package thing. If there really was a package for Andy Dalton or for Justin Fields, and the Bears have been scheming this and preparing it. Why wouldn't you just start him at quarterback then? There's no point in doing a, a specific package for him. It's not really going to fool anyone. Um, last time we saw Matt Nagy do this, it kind of ended horribly with Mitch Trubisky getting hurt against the Saints. Um, not that it eventually mattered, but there's just, for me, there's no upside to it. If you're going to do a package for him or have these package plans, just make him a starter. And I agree with you. I think it's very, very slim. It'd have to take an Andy Dalton injury um, or something just go horrifically wrong. And they're down, you know, four touchdowns right away in the first half, kind of, kind of similar to what happened the preseason against the bills where they just could not move the ball at all. And the Rams, you know, were in the Rams would be scoring uh, points left and right. But Aaron, let's get into our predictions and X factors. First ones of the year. Um, I'll let you go first to start things off. Give me a prediction and maybe give me an X factor on what could really decide this game. Yeah, I, I think that this is going to be generally a low scoring game is kind of like it has been over the last few years. Um, you know, it, it, so, man, it's kind of tough as far as prediction because I've been kind of thinking about it a little bit too, like a scoring prediction. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 23-13 Rams. It, you know, it, it doesn't really sound like great, but, you know, it is what it is. I think really what it comes down to, the X factor for the Bears is going to be winning in the trenches on both sides. I mean, we kind of talked about it. You know, the offensive line has got to keep Andy Dalton clean, um, and I think a lot of that can be helped out by, you know, obviously, you know, a consistent run game and, and the quick passing game although I don't really have a lot of faith that Matt Nagy is going to be able to adjust his play calling to what the quarterback actually needs. Cause as we've seen in the past, that's not really a thing. And then defensively, it's kind of the same thing. You know, if you get pressure on Matt Stafford and you could shut down the running game. And again, remember, you know, they're kind of piecing things together at the running back position. You know, they don't have cam Akers, uh, you know, as their starter, he, he was already lost for the season. So you know, shutting down the run game kind of like they did a few years ago back in 2018, they shut down Todd Gurley and, and made the Rams throw the ball a lot, I think is going to be the key. But again, really dominating the trenches on both sides or at least winning the battle is I think is going to be really the only thing that's going to be able to give them a chance. And we've seen it multiple times over the last few years where usually if the Bears get outplayed on both sides of the ball in that facet of the game, they usually lose. And I think that's going to be vastly important um, this time around just because of how the Rams are built. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think the Rams are going to win this game. Um, I think it's going to be something like 17-13. I just don't think the Bears' offense can be able to muster much against this Rams' defense. And for my X factor, I'm going to go with the defensive side of the ball, but I'm going to say if, if whatever team can get a defensive touchdown is going to win this game, um, I think it's pretty much the only way the Bears can stay in it um, if, if their defense can find a way to, to force a takeaway and not only do that but bring it back for a score. 
if they can do that, I, I could see them winning. Um, but I think, you know, I think the Rams defense is just too much for this Bears offense, especially in the trenches. I, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but I really think this Bears offensive line is going to be bad on the outside with the tackles. Still don't know what Justin Peters is going to, or Jason Peters is going to be, I'm sorry, and, and Jermaine Effetti. And it could be a long day for Andy Dalton back there, a quarterback in terms of pressure. But I'm going with the Rams winning the game. X-Factor will be the defense takeaways and getting a pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown. But let's hope we're both wrong, Aaron, and let's hope we're recapping a Bears win next week and then previewing the the Bengals game um, because this one will be back for a new episode. And uh, we're going to follow you on Twitter at Aaron. Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. I uh, can read all of our work on the Bear Report. And uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to all major podcasting platforms. And until next week, please stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.